0: This is NAI Global's Diving Into Commercial Real Estate. Too many real estate brokers try to solve their clients' problems today with methods they learned at the start of their careers. Help your experience meet the moment by leveraging technology in your brokerage with BuildOut out seamlessly connected CRM, marketing, deal management, and back office tools streamline every aspect of your deal cycle so you can focus on your clients. See why 67 NAI offices are already powering their firms with Buildout by visiting buildout.com. That's B-U-I-L-D-O-U-T.com. Welcome to NAI Global's Diving into Commercial Real Estate podcast. My name is Cliff Moskowitz, Executive Vice President of NAI Global, and I'll be your host for this October 2020 episode. Uh, this week, we have a different type of guest, one whose expertise is beyond uh, just commercial real estate. Uh, you might call him a modern-day fortune teller, even. Uh, his name is Jack Aldrich, and uh, he is a global futurist, a speaker, and an author. Jack is a renowned global futurist and the best-selling author of 11 books. He is a frequent guest on national media and regularly appears on the Science televised television program, Futurescape, and the Discovery Channel show, Inside Out. He is a prolific speaker on technology, change management, and leadership, and has addressed Fortune 100 corporations, venture capital firms, associations, not-for-profits, and state and regional governments on five continents. He lives in minneapolis minnesota with his wife and two children uh, we recently have had the pleasure of having jack as a keynote speaker at uh, multiple nai global conventions this year uh, we did a uh, virtual convention which was new uh, and that took place last month and we had jack there as well uh, so this podcast today serves as a follow-up to that presentation and uh hopefully uh you were at you were there for that and certainly uh, uh we hope to uh uh, continued conversation we started last month. So first of all, Jack, thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. Great. Um, you know, the first, the first thing, uh, we may have some people listening in that didn't uh, attend the convention and, you know, what we discussed, uh, you know, a few weeks back. So maybe if you could just give us, uh, you know, the condensed elevator pitch of kind of the ideas that you were conveying uh, would be much appreciated.
1: The title of my presentation was Business as Unusual, and this is the title of a new book that is coming out this month. And what I did in the keynote is identify 10 principles that all begin with the prefix on. and I'm just going to quickly uh, recap those for you. The first one is you have to expect the unexpected. If this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that we do have to expect the unexpected because we're living through it. I mean, we've already seen how fast remote work, online education, telemedicine have transformed the commercial real estate industry, but what we have to understand is the pandemic has also accelerated the future in a lot of other ways, and this is going Going to continue to throw unexpected things at us, and I'm going to walk you through some of those. The second principle was you have to explore the unknown. In my keynote, I said one of the fascinating things about the pandemic is that it has accelerated the future. And as an example, I said that e-commerce was already growing before the pandemic. Uh, for the last 10 years. But in the first two months of the pandemic, it grew e-commerce as much in those two months as it had in the last 10 years. That, That is absolutely unbelievable. But what your listeners need to understand is continued advances in everything from the Internet of Things to renewable energy to artificial intelligence to blockchain technology are going to continue to transform the world and you're going to have to get comfortable exploring these trends and going out into the unknown and extrapolating how your world might change. The third principle was you have to embrace uncertainty and the best way to embrace uncertainty is to embrace ambiguity that the world, particularly the future, isn't gonna be black or white. So let me just give you an example of this. The hospitality industry is in a world of hurt right now, and they're under a lot of stress, but there have been a handful of companies who have quickly pivoted and are transforming some hotels into affordable housing. I'm not suggesting that all hotels are gonna go away. What I am telling your listeners is embrace ambiguity the hospitality industry is going to come back to a certain extent, but I think there are also going to be some opportunities for those who can pivot quickly. The fourth principle was you have to learn how to unlearn. Um, Our world is changing so rapidly that people are aware that they have to learn new things all the time. What they forget often is that they have to let go of a lot of old, outdated information. And let me just give you a sort of two quick metaphors for this is if I were to ask your listeners, regardless of where you are in the U.S., what two colors are the yield sign? I want your listeners to think of the answer. And if they said yellow or yellow and black, they're wrong. And the yield sign has been red and white since 1971 for almost close to 50 years. But my point is many of us somehow hold that old information in our head, even though we've been driving by these signs for decades. I'm here to tell you, Some of your listeners, there are certain things you learned about commercial real estate that were absolutely true yesterday, but are no longer true today. Your business is changing. Business models are changing. Your customers are changing, and you have new competitors, and all of that's going to require you to unlearn. The fifth principle was you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. There's a great quote from John Maynard Keynes who said, Worldly wisdom teaches us it's better to fail conventionally than to succeed unconventionally people are so afraid of taking risks doing something slightly unconventional that they'd rather fail and i'm here to tell you if you want to succeed in the future you'd better stay open to doing some unconventional ideas and one of the examples i used in my talk was the world's our largest urban farm just opened in montreal last month now not all commercial properties can be converted into urban farms i understand that but some can uh and some of your members should be thinking about embracing some of these uh, uncomfortable ideas the uh, the next principle was uh, to try uh, unorthodox ideas and as an example just said you might want to if you have the means to explore uh, getting a chief artificial intelligence officer or maybe a chief data officer Uh, there are advances in data that are now allowing people to have digital twins of their buildings, you can create a digital model and play around with all sorts of different variables to increase usage, to reduce energy consumption, all sorts of things. So try some of those unorthodox ideas. The seventh principle, uh, listen to unconventional voices. The best way to do this is to get a reverse mentor, particularly if you're over the age of 40, I would say, By all means, mentor younger people in your company, but pivot 180 degrees and get someone under the age of 30 who can help you see the world from their perspective, because it might help you future-proof your business. The eighth principle was question unquestionable assumptions. I don't often go into all of the extraordinary advances in healthcare, but stem cell research, regenerative medicine, nanotechnology, biotechnology, all of us might be living a lot longer than most of us expect. And I think there are going to be huge shifts in demographics, particularly among the elderly. And we're going to have to really begin thinking harder about where a lot of these seniors are going to live. And some retail malls are already being repurposed into senior living. So to me, that's just an idea that as the world, as technology changes, there are new ways to uh, look at existing properties. The ninth principle was just think unthinkable things. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we all have to be prepared for the possibility that the world could continue, that this pandemic could continue for 12 months, 18 months. There could be a second pandemic. There could be a global depression. My point with this is, as you do your strategic planning, never lock into just thinking the future is going to unfold one way. At a minimum, have at least three plans. An optimistic plan, things turn out even better than you expected. Have your expected future, but then have a more pessimistic future and just understand all of them are within the realm of possibility. The final thing is just keep your imagination open to unimaginable things. The one thing I think we should all do is just get rid of the phrase I can't imagine from our vocabulary. Just because you can't imagine something doesn't mean it can't happen or that someone else can't imagine different ways to use your building or a different business model or to see the the future and its many opportunities from a different perspective. So, that in uh probably a little longer than you wanted, was a quick overview of the keynote.
0: No, that's perfect. And, you know, ever since I, you know, he- heard you talk about all these principles a few weeks back, you know, there's something that's that's been bugging me. And um, I- I'm curious to pick your brain on it. As somebody who is a long-term thinker and, you know, is always thinking about the future, um, one of the things that's bugging me is that it seems like, a lot of decisions now are being made decisions that are are not necessarily short-term decisions you know when we're talking about building designs and you know changing space layouts you know uh of properties and um things that are not just uh something you do uh for a short period of time you know they they have permanent impact um it seems like a lot of decisions are being made around this pandemic and i'm curious you know your thoughts this pandemic could be Six months, it could be twelve months or two years, but you know those timeframes relative to some of these decisions or thoughts that are being discussed are are short term and uh, versus some of these long term decisions. And I'm curious your thoughts on that. Are we? Is it too much of a knee jerk reaction? Are we over correcting and then we're going to have to correct again? Or you know, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. First, I would say I don't think that people are overreacting to to the pandemic. And the reason I say that is, I mean, it's now been going on for six months and just sort of human nature says that it usually takes most people three months to adapt to a new behavior. Well, we're well past the three months and it looks like we might go much longer. So my point is these trends towards remote working, online education, telemedicine are all real. And I think they are have already shifted and cemented certain traits in human behavior. And so I think that those traits you can begin planning around. But the other thing I would say as as a futurist, and this is easier said than done, is how do you future-proof all of your plans? And this goes back to this idea of looking at multiple scenarios as you think about the future. So my first point is sort of zoom out, look five, 10, 20 years into the future, sort of extrapolate some of these trends. Think about how they would affect the commercial real estate space and then have the optimistic, the expected and the pessimistic future. And whatever you're planning should be able to fit under all three scenarios does this still make sense if things are even better than expected does it make sense and it should clearly if it's your expected future but then also does it work in a situation where we spiral into uh, a three five-year global depression and we see no growth in the global economy um so uh, that would be my uh Approach, but to answer your question, I I don't think that most people can sort of overreact to the the pandemic. It's going to shift behavior uh, in a concrete way that's going to stay with us for a long period of time.
0: Yeah, definitely um, foresee there being some PTSD on it, and it'll be interesting to see what the behavioral changes are that stick. So um and then certainly how that affects commercial real estate will will, will be uh interesting to see for for the mm-hmm. years to come. Um uh but but speaking of of that changing that change and uh, you know one of the things you talked about a lot is unlearning. And you know some of the discussions I had afterwards were um with uh owners of our firms, very successful people in their uh, careers you know, own a lot of real estate and and other things, other businesses. And um, just how do you uh, talk to somebody and say, you know, you've gained all this knowledge through your experience. You've been successful because of all the knowledge you gained and the experiences you have. But now you need to unlearn that and learn something else to go forward. How do you balance the two?
1: It's it's really difficult, Cliff. And the first thing I would say is I, I think all successful people should carry sort of the equivalent of that statement that many of us see on our financial investment portfolios. Past success is no guarantee of future success. I don't care how successful you were in the past. Our world is changing so quickly that many of the things that made you successful in the future may not continue to make you successful in the future. This is not to suggest that everything that you're doing is going to to change, but a fair amount will. The second thing is just remind yourself of, uh, I have an acronym that I really like to use. I call it the big aha. And aha stands for awareness, humility, and action. And I'm happy to talk about the two A's, but I want to focus on the H, this idea of humility that before the pandemic, I would frequently just go back 10 years and I would say, let's just look at all the businesses that have gone bankrupt. And I would just start with the letter B and I would just say Blockbuster, Borders, BlackBerry, all 10, 12 years ago on top of the world, dominating their category. But they simply assumed that the world was going to continue the way that it was. They didn't see how e-commerce, how Amazon, how Netflix, how others were changing the game. And I think that all of us have to have a similar amount of humility. And I can't remember if I shared this technique in my keynote, but um, do this. If you're really successful, conduct with your team a, a pre-mortem, a pre-mortem is the opposite of a post-mortem. A post-mortem, typically Harvard Business Review will do a study as to why Blockbuster, BlackBerry, or Borders went bankrupt. It's like, what can we learn from that? There's nothing wrong with that, but a pre-mortem has a lot more humility baked in. And it's it's this idea. It's five years in the future, and you are out of business. What happened? I mean, that sounds like a really depressing question, but I argue what it's going to do within your team, you're going to have a really candid conversation to say, hey, our customers are changing, or there's this new disruptive startup who could really change the game for us. You're going to have a candid conversation as to the threats, but then at some point in the conversation, it's going to pivot to say, okay, wow, if we really are under attack, under a stress that we might not be here in five years, what do we need to do to survive and make sure we are here in five years. So suddenly the conversation takes a much more optimistic turn and you begin exploring different models, pilot projects, experiments, who might you wanna partner with? Are there some innovative things that you can do? So uh, I think a pre-mortem is one of the best ways to stay open to your potential need to unlearn.
0: I like that. Um one of the things um that you you discussed in your presentation was uh taking taking a week to really think about the future, an actual week where you just maybe go somewhere and uh you think about the future, you read some articles that you put aside over the course of, you know, the months or the year. Um this is something that, you know, our company is talking about doing um after we heard you talk. But I think uh, one of the bigger challenges is, okay, so we go away, we have this retreat or, you know, we just do it locally. However we do it, we think about the future. But then once we have our thoughts, I think the harder part is to then turn those thoughts into actions. Okay, so we went away. This is what we think about the future or the future might be. Do you have any advice on how to then turn those thoughts into actions to actually apply them into your everyday business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First I if I could just take a step back, if some of your listeners think it's impossible to take a week every year just to think about the future, let me just remind you, a week of your time is less than 2% of your time on an annual basis. So if you don't have 2% of your time to think about the future of your business, who exactly does? So I'd argue it's a really important thing to do, but once you the benefit of a think week first is you really get to to zoom out, and as you said, just bring some articles, bring some books, you might be interested in artificial intelligence or blockchain or renewable energy or urban agriculture, you know whatever uh sort of piques your interest. think about it, try and zoom out a uh, a longer time, say, how might our world significantly change but then, and here's the answer to your question: you have to zoom back in and say what is the smallest step i can take today that is still practical but begins moving us in the direction of the future that we now believe is going to unfold and so i what i like about that is i think so many people think you're going to come back from a think week overwhelmed with huge ideas and it's easy to do that but the trick then is to break it down and say what is the smallest thing uh, you can actually do today so to begin identifying a pilot project an experiment you might want to conduct a new partner you might want to reach out to it might be as simple as bringing in a speaker to tell you more about blockchain and how it's transforming the commercial real estate industry but the reason I say that is these small actions will begin taking on a momentum of their own and it will make the larger actions easier to take uh, as you move forward into the future
0: I think that's great advice and then would you recommend you know taking multiple actions concurrently or kind of doing pursuing one path at a time um and sort of seeing where
1: that leads uh, this is another good question i think in the past i would have said just select one but i'm here to tell you the world is changing so rapidly there are i've mentioned artificial intelligence blockchain data 3d printing robotics the internet of things renewable energy changes in demographics customer behavior the commercial real estate industry is at the epicenter of all of these changes and i unfortunately think that you have to now conduct more but smaller and fewer experiments and pilot projects and this is going to require a shift in culture and my my advice here is understand what you are undertaking involves risk and not every pilot project is going to to work out or you're going to move in the direction of a trend only to find that trend disrupted by another trend don't view it as a failure view it as a learning excuse me view it as a learning mechanism to say, not everything is going to work, but we are committed to learning and constantly trying to iterate into the future. To this point, let me just tell you, I, I grew up as a strategic planner. It's what I did in the Navy. It's what I did as a strategic planner for the Pentagon and then as the head of the Office of Strategic Planning for the state of Minnesota. And there's value in strategic planning, but it is limited Uh And so what has to replace that is strategic experimentation. So we just have to create a culture of experimentation. I think the firms and companies that do that are going to be those that prosper into the future.
0: You mentioned uh, artificial intelligence multiple times. Um, and, And even in your presentation in the keynote, you mentioned that if you're, you know, if you don't you would argue if you don't currently have a chief data officer, then you might already be behind. A lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, they run small to medium-sized businesses. You know, they're not these big corporations with big budgets and a lot of uh, you know, resources to maybe invest in a chief data officer. Um how can a smaller company without those types of resources still compete and um you know if you're aware that you made a chief Data Officer, but you can't hire one yourself, what are some things you could possibly do to still be in the a i game and uh be trending in the right direction going forward
1: yeah the the first thing is just begin getting up to speed on some of these trends artificial intelligence blockchain data. The next thing is uh as a smaller medium sized firm, I understand you can't necessarily have a chief data or a chief artificial intelligence officer, but you can expand your CIO's responsibilities to include data or artificial intelligence and tell your CIO or your CTO, whoever it is, to say you now have a new responsibility. And I understand this is a complex topic, but let's just start small. There are really affordable courses on Corsair or maybe even at a local university as part of your responsibility, we are going to expect you to take a few hours a week and begin getting up to speed on this topic. The next low-hanging fruit is you don't have to be the expert in artificial intelligence or data. There now are similar small boutique businesses who are helping small and mid-sized firms come in and understand how to leverage technology. And even some of the bigger companies, including Microsoft, IBM, and even Amazon, are now saying, we will have someone from our team come in and help you understand how to leverage AI uh, or some of these other technologies. So don't think that you have to become an expert in it but that does not absolve you of the responsibility of reading more about it learning more about it and reaching out to to partners who can help you both better understand it and figure out how to leverage it in your business
0: that's great and you know one one of the things that i've found helpful is uh i know you have the weekly uh, newsletter that you send out maybe if you could just tell the listeners you know how how to get on that list uh, because that's a great way to spark some ideas. It links to a lot of articles of different topics that are being talked about. Um, I, I think that would be a, you know, a great place for them to start.
1: Yeah, so I understand that uh, even though I tell people to take a Think Week, a lot of people aren't going to, to do it. But uh, the next easiest thing to do is I call it my Future Friday 15. Every Friday, just set aside at least 15 minutes to think about the future. But then to make that even simpler, every Friday – I send out a newsletter. Uh, I've now modified it. I call it my Future Friday Five. I send out five articles and I say, you don't have to read all five. Just select one, read it, but then really think about what it might mean for your business, your business model, your customers, or your future moving forward. Give yourself permission to have what I call a closed-door policy that all of you are hired because you're really smart people and that means you are getting paid to think but many people if they see someone just thinking they think they're being lazy i'd argue thinking is the most important and the most valuable thing most of us bring to our companies so just give yourself permission to do it and you can sign up on my website it's just my name jackaldrich.com and then uh A box will pop open saying if you want to subscribe to my weekly newsletter, you can just pop in your email address. And I don't use your email address for anything else. All you do is you get one newsletter every Friday at uh, 8 a.m. Central Time, and you can uh, read it or delete it. The choice is yours, but there will be five articles that uh, at least one of them should catch your attention and get you thinking about the future in a different way.
0: I highly recommend doing that. Uh, Jack, thanks for joining us. We're uh, out of time. Um, you know, always love to have you. Uh, probably our most requested speaker, which is why we had to come back so often. So uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future. And uh, thanks for joining us again today.
1: All right. Thank you, Cliff. It was my pleasure.